Hi everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. You go to the store, you give them paper money, they give you goods. You take that paper money anywhere in your community, anywhere in your country, or you change that paper money for other paper money and go to different countries and buy goods with it. There is nobody there that can stop you and take your money from you, well, unless they rob you, but take your money from you or stop that transaction. There's nobody that's just going to cut in the middle between you and the grocer, you and the merchant, and say, no, you can't do this. But now that everything is online, everything is digital, companies can start or governments can start stopping the internet service, putting blocks on what you're doing, how you're transacting. So this kind of thought led us to a simple question. Should transacting, transacting being buying goods with a currency, be all right? Well, it's kind of a loose question. It's kind of big and it's kind of broad. That's why this is a two-part episode and we invited our old friend back, Hazim Al-Nakib, to help me talk about human rights, the blockchain, banking, and the future. And this is part two of that conversation. So before we get into that conversation, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. Join our Facebook group, our Twitter, our Instagram to keep up to date, to join the conversation, become a patron. The patrons are the backbone of our community. We appreciate your patronage. Check out our YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Arid. There we put previews and roundups to give you my own personal opinion on the episodes that we produce. Also, if you're not subscribed to us on iTunes, please subscribe to us on iTunes, CastBox, SoundCloud, or any other place you get your podcasts. And one more announcement. From now on, you're going to start seeing a little orange icon sometimes pop up in the Crypto 101 feed. That's ICO 101 with Aaron Paul, another great podcast from the Crypto 101 family. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Hazem. Hazem Al-Nakib. Welcome back to Crypto 101, sir. Thank you. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be back. Hazem, what we want to talk about today is first, I want everybody to know who you are. I think this is your third or fourth time on the show. So if you would, <laughs> <laughs> if you would could you please just give a brief introduction of yourself? Absolutely. So uh, just to reiterate, it's an absolute pleasure to be back. It means uh, either I'm doing something tremendously wrong or maybe be slightly right that you're you're having me back over and over but um well you keep just coming in on general the show, so um, you keep coming back- on the show so we must be doing something yeah. right too <laughs> of course of course no i i love our conversations but um in general background in banking studied in toronto started uh, a few different incubators and accelerators got into blockchain and dlt and crypto and, and advanced technologies like ai currently i sit on the board of several companies and and maybe wear a couple of different hats between companies like humany coin firms currency f success and and a couple of other companies as well as doing um, you know government and corporate advisory on different things but a lot a lot of it is how to leverage blockchain blockchain, distributed ledger technology, more broadly tokenization, asset tokenization, and applying these technologies in combination with things like artificial intelligence and biometrics and so on, and applying them to solving existing problems, be that wealth distribution, you know, automation and, and process efficiency and, and management and so on, and various other areas, you know, transparency could be things 
like land titles or health records and, and even identity. And I think a lot of it ties into many of the things we'll be talking about today, which are rights, which you and I may have some fun defining because it, it gets philosophical. So you can draw on your thesis work um, for that convo. <laughs> if I could remember, it was already 13 to 15 years ago. But what we are going to talk about today, and this is for the <laughs> audience, I was having a conversation the other day with Tracy Leparulo and we stumbled on something about the mm. right to transact. And this was already down through a long rabbit hole, in my opinion, of talking about what is a human right. And we, me and Tracy were not prepared to have that conversation. But when we did say it, <laughs> I thought, hey, I know who's going to have this conversation with me. And that's Hazen because this is his You should have brought Tracy on too. We would have, we would have, the three of us would have <laughs> spoken about it. We, we could have, we could have, maybe, maybe next time, maybe next time. She'll listen okay. to us. She'll be like, you guys are totally wrong. She's, we're going to, she's going to come up and tell us what's up. But what we want to do today is we want to just talk about a couple things is basic human rights, banking, the people's right to be a bank, have a bank, have a bank account. And then it goes into talking about the right to transact. What does it mean to transact? What right does people have to put their money into the hands of somebody else for their liberty and their best interests? So, Hazm, is I want to talk about Bitcoin. I want to talk about cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is crypto 101 after all. We're talking about too many things. Man. We are you talking about too many things. But it all comes down to the right to transact. I look at Bitcoin and I'm really happy you said access. Access with Bitcoin, the blockchain, is all about getting a smartphone nowadays, right? All you need to do is have something that can connect to the internet, which we already talked about the access of the internet, and you have yourself a wallet. You are banked. You can transact. You can take that Bitcoin, that Ethereum, that Litecoin, and shoot it anywhere in the world to do business, to buy, to purchase, to transact, whatever good you have. You have now made yourself your own bank right? We talked about KYC, AML. We already have that technology and access to that technology to people who can afford it. If you can get on the internet and find a cheap smartphone, and if it's used or 10 years old even, you can have a Bitcoin wallet. Should that be protected? Should that person that has that Bitcoin wallet or maybe even that privacy coin where, where that AML doesn't even come into it, but that's what they're transacting with, should that be protected? Should this person's livelihood be protected because of this? We've already said there's almost a billion people without identity. We've already said that there's people living in, in makeshift housing without the proper uh, addresses for mm -hmm. the proper bank accounts. We've already said that all of this exists, but now we have technology to give them access, to give them the opportunity to make a livelihood using their own bank, using a, a currency that is, well, doing what it's supposed to do, <laughs> transact. Do they have that right? Should that right, the ability, that access be cut off until we do the proper AML, KYC? Yeah, so where that would take us is, well, should everybody have the right or access? It goes back to it, uh, to the initial point, which is, should everybody have access or the right to creating their own bank account? Ergo, should they have the right or access, again, those, those being slightly different, to have a crypto wallet? And if so, does that extend to any crypto wallet, including crypto wallets that are inherently anonymous, of which there are very few, and the ones that are can provide their keys to the required AML and KYC providers to be integrated in. That's point one. Point two is that some of them also have opt-in compliance into the, the network itself. So should the ability 
to transact completely anonymously be protected? Is that your question? Because I think that if we drag I, it on, that's where we get to. <laughs> I, I think if we drag it on, what we get to, and I guess what, I really want to stop at Bitcoin for the most part. I mean, privacy okay. coins, to be perfectly honest, uh, I'm not too sure about that. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I had this privacy conversation with uh, many people already on the show. The Bitcoin one is is something that I'm worried about because... And I guess where I really wanted to get to when it comes to the right to transact. But but let's define – I apologize for interrupting you. But let's define what transact means because Excellent. if we do focus on Bitcoin, we, you can't transact. Let's, let's be realistic and real with ourselves. If we're talking about BTC, Bitcoin, you cannot transact. It's no longer a currency, right? The, it, both from a technological standpoint at present as well as from an intent and a use at present by institutions and by retail individuals, I mean institutional investors, it is simply not a currency. Therefore, transacting makes absolutely no sense in terms of both block size, transactions per second, and, and the electricity and, and power usage and so on. Okay, so, so should, I would, should we should we change that to Bitcoin Cash or Litecoin? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'll, I would, I'll use any cryptocurrency you want to use. I would, I would say even at that point, the majority of them are not. They're too volatile for it to make any sense for it to be protected. And that's why... It goes back to us having another session on stable coins. Oh, no, right? no not today. <laughs> because, 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 not, not now. Yeah, no, we've, we've, we've covered far too much ground. But the reason I say that is because that, that's when it actually begins to mirror the traditional financial system. And, mm-hmm. and we get a lot more pegged currencies, collateralized, um, and, and, you know, let's say algorithmic banks, where it actually makes sense because then transacting becomes like transacting almost in the real world, as opposed to transacting these things that the majority of users are just buying to make money. It's very, very different. So, but I don't know, perhaps it goes to you, you know, how would you define transacting? Is it simply just being able to buy and sell things somewhere with somebody? Or is it more about the right, the protected right to transact in terms of buying Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash or HMQ or whatever else? If that's the case, well, while they aren't banned from it currently, certain jurisdictions and locations might take steps to ban it. And maybe your question then goes there. Well, what about many of the governments that are really that really dislike cryptocurrencies and are beginning to ban it? The counter argument to that could possibly be, well, it's at present, it's it's been perceived as being a hub for, you know, uh, a safe haven for money launderers. Uh, that's the first thing. And then second of all, it hasn't really been a currency per se. So perhaps waiting until we have ones that are much more sustainable, um, that make regulators and governments and companies more comfortable, then then it will be legislated for. And should there be international uh, declarations and, and or conventions or whatever else, or perhaps soft law that say you can have a digital wallet and that is a protected fundamental right for everybody. And perhaps there are groups and thought leaders that are moving in that direction, but it will always come back down to education. And what I mean by education is educating and, and having conversations and discussions between all parties. If blockchain networks, let's say, and, and cryptocurrency advocates maintain this kind of crypto anarchist mindset, as opposed to working very closely with regulators and, and central banks and so on, which some of some of them are actually, but some of them are not, then there will be absolutely no progress in being able to tie um, the access to a crypto wallet or, or a DLT wallet um, to you know, this idea of, of a right to bank or a right to have a bank account or a right to transact. I wouldn't necessarily directly conflate um, having a digital wallet 
unless it can store fiat and by extension has various other products and services that banks typically provide. I would not conflate that with having access to a bank account until it extends to include the various things that I did list. And in fact, a crypto wallet for those that do not have identities and uh, digital identities or identity documentation, it is almost like a first step, right? It's a first step to eventually getting a bank account. But in conclusion, I would say it's education and both on on the side of, of the advocates, but also educating the regulators and the governments and so on and so forth so that they understand the value and the potential and don't see it as this potential money laundering safe haven, which it is actually not if you look at the data. But that would be the only way for it to be encapsulated within much more fundamental human rights. Because at the end of the day, like we said, everything is interconnected and intertwined and one right feeds into another and it provides greater capacity and capability to pursue other fundamental human rights and being being able to store your funds, save your funds, have a digital identity. All of these things are part of self-determination to a degree and being able to decide and live for yourself, which is most important. And that's about access. And access is about choice and choice is about freedom. I think the working definition of the trans- of transaction that I was always had in mind, and I'm really happy that you brought up that we needed to define that, is the ability to do business, is the ability to take one thing and exchange it for another thing. As much as we say Bitcoin is not a currency, Ethereum is not a currency, and um, you know it's not a security now, <laughs> that's really good, is that, <laughs> is that people, regardless if we like it or not, are using this as a device to transact. You think they are? I think they are. No, I know they are. No, I'm, no. I'm doing it. <laughs> that's how I run Crypto 101 with all the editors and the bloggers and, and everything. There's no way I could do this without Bitcoin or blo- or blockchain or Ethereum. So two things. One, on the side of Ether and BTC, I agree. It's obviously used to pay for for certain things. It's treated not at all as as uh, as its core and primary function as a way to pay, as as a exchange of value. It's It's treated as, as an investment instrument. Not that that's a problem. It's simply based on its capacity and on what the audience wants, which the audience wants to make money as opposed to be able to pay for things. But I also go back to your other point. Well, there are certain, uh, let's say, call them cryptocurrencies that are more efficient in that regard than others, and many of them are coming out. And I think in, in the next five to 10 years, we will have many that are a lot less volatile. It's the volatility, right, that creates the largest issue. You know, I if think, you owe somebody one BTC month to month, and it <laughs> it, uh, it it's skyrockets, totally different. No. and then it crashes. It's <laughs> it's a different thing. But also the the last point, uh, which you and I have spoken about before, is what are the characteristics that made it make up a currency? And we won't go over them now, but there are roughly you know seven or eight, and I think those are always a good thing to take into account by people when assessing. We, I don't know if we're having the same conversation with this point, with with the transaction point. And I think that we're talking about currency. You're talking about volatility. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the individual's rights to to transact and do and buy goods. If something is created, a technology created, a blockchain that's created, mm-hmm. no matter if it's Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, Ethereum, a stablecoin, DAI, uh, USDT, no matter what you want to call it, it is somebody that might be using it. Somebody that is is a technology there that somebody is using to transact. Fine, let's put it all on the blockchain. That's traceable. So you don't have people sending money to terrorists. You don't have money laundering going on because you can see the origin. Fine. But when people start to be able to control that transaction – 
tell you that that coin, that uh, blockchain, like Ethereum was just, you know, being talked about being a security. Is this transaction, when people, when a government or when a legis legislator can come in and say, this is now a security, you cannot use it, or it's illegal, mm. or we have to regulate it, even though people are using it, that's infringing on the rights. And the thing is about what I want to go for is that Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum, regardless of the price swings, give people access to a way to send money overseas yeah, yes. to anybody without much friction. You're, you're limiting the friction of that transaction. Yet we still want to you know, kind of restrict that. Why? So just to, so just to put a, a thorn in your side, you keep using the term money again. Um, and that's why I keep going back to, to why Bitcoin and, and whatever else, none of them are actually money. I apologize. I My lexicon is not as developed as yours. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, you know, you talk about transacting in, in the traditional barter sense. Like, look, uh, uh, several people have something and they want to exchange it for another. Shouldn't they have the right to be able to exchange it? That's, that, I think, is, is really the piece that you're coming down to. And then, and then we're looking at, well is the government infringing by now coming in and saying that something should be categorized as something else and is therefore regulated by specific regulations that now apply to it and prevent an individual for exchanging it for something else or for using it to pay somebody else, which is primarily the, the, the things you and I are talking about. But the funny thing is, it is, and it goes back to what we were saying before, it's the volatility that has caused that. In a sense, it's either the offering, mm. how it was offered mm. to people, or the volatility, and thereby, and those in combination, create a lot of people doing a specific thing with that thing that you now want to exchange and barter with. And that lot of people that are now doing something with that thing, that something is usually trading, investing, so on and so forth, is going to push regulators and government to categorize it as such to protect other people. But now that goes back to something you and I spoke about earlier. Well, where's the line between other people's freedom and yours? And what I mean by other people's freedom is, well, okay, you want to be able to send it to somebody across somewhere else in the world, which fine, you, you should be able to do um, because it's faster than various other methods. It also uses a lot of electricity and so on, but let's ignore those points. In the next few years, there, there will be multiple iterations that probably make it one of the most efficient modes of, of, of sending something or a thing with a, <laughs> a potential equivalent in, in, in value, in fiat currency, to somebody else across the world. But the that this might be infringing on if it's not regulated are the people that are now taking mortgages out on their houses to buy it because mm -hmm, they think mm -hmm. it's the last thing that they can do you know while they're in at some period of their life that that may not be super financially lucrative they take a mortgage out on their house and they buy a bunch of btc and then crashes in a few days and and that's that or participate in an ico or this or that or whatever else however the flip side to that is well ether wasn't considered a, a security and the majority of jurisdictions you know are looking at btc and the for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply kind of core major cryptocurrencies as either currency equivalents or assets, right? Property, which means that you can do what you describe, <laughs> right? So um, your major thing is, well, what if it didn't happen? And what if they said Ether was a security? And should they be allowed to do that? Uh, well, you need to balance it out, right? You need to look at, well, what about all of the other people and, and whether it's, it's uh negatively affecting them and their lives and does it need to be protected there i think regulating something like this becomes very very difficult and there needs to be exceptions and mechanisms in place and a lot of it comes down to the level of um, knowledge and experience an individual uh, has and that is typically something that is not often taken into account when regulating these types of environments or ecosystems is well you may have experience with it, with this, have a higher risk tolerance, um, know how to use it, know about it. And so perhaps this is just an idea. I don't agree with it. But maybe if people took an exam, <laughs> they could use it because that would demonstrate key knowledge in this particular area. I'm not saying this is a good idea, but it is a demonstration that would enable an individual to participate in something like this and reduce the risk, which is an individual taking out a mortgage on their house and, you know, losing all of their funding, all of their savings because they put it in an ISO that publicly promised them to, to make 10 times the return and the, the, right. the founders disappeared and went to the Caymans. So there are so many different areas we need to we need to weigh and balance against each other. Um, right. But I think it, it still goes back to the two things. One, where does other people's freedom end and yours begin or vice versa? And two, are the regulators and governments and so on sufficiently have developed sufficient acumen in this space to really understand what's going on? And that can only happen if individuals and leaders like yourself and and those listening and many other people engage with them and explain to them. That's that's the only thing that will enable them to understand things from a different standpoint than the people who are negatively affected and their high-level landscape view from very far away. Lots of, lots of things in there. 
<laughs> lots, lots of yeah. things in there. I, to, to the audience, I don't advocate everybody taking an exam. It's just we need to switch how we look at things to people's demonstrated know-how, knowledge, and experience away from you know simple requirements like do you make a certain amount of money a year. Again, that's conflating uh, accredited investors with you know just ordinary retail and and so on. But it goes to a very central principle that there needs to be a shift when dealing with these technologies, these new asset classes and digital assets that needs to be more accessible. Um, and I genuinely agree with that. But there will always need to be certain controls to a degree um, that also protect individuals from from making. Uh, what can be mistakes that really ruin their lives. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Aaron, and I'm here to tell you about our YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron. And the reason why we're doing this YouTube channel is because, well, we heard your feedback. Some people really like listening to stuff on YouTube. So all the audio podcasts are going to be posted on YouTube. Also, we're going to do previews and roundups of each episode. The previews are going to tell you about how we got to doing this topic, talking to these individuals, and where this interview came from. And the roundups are going to give you my personal opinions on the projects, the people, and, well, some commentary. And the reason why we're doing this is because we never want you to feel that we're shilling a certain project. I want you to get my personal opinions, honestly, openly. So, please, subscribe to Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron on YouTube and enjoy. Comments are always welcome, and please let us know how we're doing. Now, back to the show. I I, I 100% hear what you're saying with uh, the investment for the Bitcoin, mortgaging the house, you know, investing in an ICO, and it is the volatility of these digital assets that you know, are making the government look at it, you know, they don't want, you know, to have all these people losing their houses, you know, and and mortgaging and then their, you know, the economy goes tits up. I I, I guess I was a a little bit more simple with it. You definitely hit a lot of nails on the head with this. What I was looking at is the blockchain. And we, we know that, you know, regulating or controlling the blockchain or any blockchain is very difficult, if not mm-hmm. impossible, um, without just turning off, turning off the power to the Internet, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which some countries can do. But <laughs> it's true. They do. And they have. So what I, I, I'm worried about is once we do have, let's say, that stable coin. And once we do have a platform that allows, in one way or another, make an algorithm or fiat to stablecoin or asset backed to stablecoin, and this becomes mm-hmm. a thing, and people without the KYC AML or people without the banks start, you know, transacting and in, in living their lives on this blockchain with whatever system that we had, and then inevitably somebody's going to start trying to take a piece of it. Somebody's going to put their hands in it. Somebody's going to go in and start demonizing it and, you know, make sure that the people aren't, aren't transacting without the AML, KYC, the, you know, the registration of your home address, your bank account, your mother's maiden name. And I know the maiden name and things like that are there for security purposes. What if you lose your passport? What if you don't do this? What if we need to verify you over the phone because you're in China and you need to use your credit card while you're, you know, at the KTV there? I get it. <laughs> I get it, but I know that we did. We went through a lot of things, and I know that we this conversation started at one point and it's ending at another place. But I think we need to start talking about 
the the rights of individuals, how we frame that, how we're going to talk about that, because putting money on, on the blockchain, transacting on the blockchain is something we can do, yet even even if it's a reason, like you said, of volatility, a reason, why, like we said, because of you know protectionism or personal security or what have you, this is something that we need to start thinking, is it a right for somebody to do? Or else we're just going to get into the same kind of, uh, I think, the same kind of situation that a lot of or capital anarchists or libertarians are, are in right now or pissed off <laughs> about. And I know that, I, I know that you're, <laughs> I would love to get you and like maybe Jameson Lop on together and talk about this. Um, but is it, the same situation is that well why do we have to use a bank why do we have to you know do the do all this stuff why do we have to go jump through these hoops and then why are they controlling my money why are they saying that i can't send these funds or they they stop me when i'm sending x amount or i can't send funds to mongolia because which happened to me the other day i can't send my funds to mongolia because <laughs> well, well, it's the too much is why were you why were you sending money to mongolia because i was I'm sending kidding. i was I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no this is a good um, one it, this is what they ask this is what they ask and i was yeah. sending money to my ex-girlfriend because she was going to buy a plane ticket to come over to see me and i was like hey you know what i'll take Perfect. care of that don't worry and it's a great thing that's an amazing thing, but I couldn't. Sucks, really sucks. Yeah, no. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with you to a degree, right? Like I, uh, um, the the majority of the points that that I make are are usually, as as I'm sure you've gathered, finding um, some sort of uh, middle ground. So we we can't deny that there are people, for example, that want to have control over those types of decisions and, and that decision-making. But there's a lot of people that do not, and, and there's a lot of people that don't want to be their own bank. And, and that's essentially, in terms of custody, when you have a wallet on the blockchain, obviously you, you are becoming essentially your own bank. You have your keys. If you lose your keys, that is that, unless you have certain recovery things put into place. But usually, um, and the majority of people don't want that. <laughs> the majority of people don't trust themselves to, to look after their own capital, and they like the idea of a bank. But you're, you're right in the sense that, well, there's still a lot of other people on the other side. And I agree with you. Um, I think there it goes back to what I was saying, that access leads to options and options lead to freedom. Everybody should have the option to decide for themselves. And, and that is what I was getting at with the certain level of know-how and knowledge and experience and so on. Everybody should have the option to determine for themselves what they use to transact, what they use to store their capital or store their goods and so on. Um, and choice is ultimately the most fundamental of all the rights, right? It's, it's choice to be able to choose, to choose where you are, how you're treated. Obviously, there are you know, the bare essentials, you know, not being killed or trafficked and held in, in servitude. But there are also ones where you're able to decide those things. You have, you're able to have a digital identity if you want it. You're able to have an identity and so on and so forth. And back to transacting, the exact same thing applies. And I think what perhaps what bothers you the most is, well, why is this third party telling me what I can do with, with capital that I have? And I think, I think that's, that's the largest thing that bugs you. And that pushes you and, and many people um, into the, the blockchain and the crypto space saying, well, okay, here I have more freedom. I could send as much as I want as fast as I want, so on and so forth. And to you, it may be a good thing um, to an extent. Uh, when, when somebody somebody steals your, your hardware wallet, perhaps not. Um, <laughs> uh, but that may not happen at a bank. But, but even at a bank, right? Um, if a bank goes belly up and they're not, you know, um, uh, they're not saved by the government, same thing. People lose their money. It's just that they've reached 
um, such a high level of uh, and such a large level that things like that don't occur if you bank with one of the larger banks. But if you bank with small banks, that's still a possibility and it's still a risk. It's just right now, at present, there are different levels of risk. And the different levels of risk are, for example, the volatility. We don't face that in traditional fiat currencies. But that is also because of the technological infancy of the public blockchain, be it the Bitcoin blockchain, Ether, uh, Ethereum, and so on and so forth. There, it's still at infancy. So I, I think that all the things that you're describing will eventually occur to some degree, but it will require multiple iterations and developments in the technology, like you know, side chains, sharding, pl plasma, all of these different developments that will mm -hmm. make it more robust, sustainable, and scalable. Right now, scale is absolutely horrendous. I'm sure you obviously know this. Um, and so making these developments will make it a lot more trusted. But also there will be ways to incorporate and include banks, central banks, regulators, uh, corporates. There will be various you know, plugins and and open APIs so things are open source. So you would have, you know, banks building applications, building decentralized applications. So imagine JP Morgan building a whatever a decentralized identity management system, um, which acted as a pipeline uh, to very rapidly get some sort of global bank account for their new token. This is just an example. It's mm -hmm. not happening, as far as I know. If it is, I apologize, J.P. Morgan. But no, you um, <laughs> this is just an this is just an example of 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 some of the things. Um, you're right, I don't. But that's just an example of, of <laughs> some of the things that uh, that could be on their way, and many of them may likely be because the technology is so young, and I can't stress that enough. All of the issues we're seeing on the regulatory side and and on various sides, even internally. With, with the hard forks and so on and so forth. It's all because the technology is still at infancy. The technology being at infancy causes literally a domino effect to bring in institutional uh, investors and various others to make a lot of money on it by treating it as something it was never intended to be. Mm. That is, these are the largest issues. But with open dialogue and communication and so on and so forth, what you're describing may likely come to to take place there will probably be controls in terms of kyc and aml and so on but the speed and seamlessness with which you're able to transact globally and anywhere in the world will eventually develop and be built in um and i think have the buy-in to a particular degree as long as it doesn't harm anybody that is the largest issue is right. it harming anybody else but the second piece is we cannot deny there are obviously corporates and governments and regulators and so on that also think about control they want to be able to control this thing. And that perhaps is, is a question for uh, for another day because uh, we, we'd probably dig relatively deep into it. I think that everybody who's listening to this is like, all right, that's enough, guys. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> this will be two episodes, I think. But Hazem. Will it? Oh, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Before we go and get off for this round of conversations between Crypto 101 and Hazem Al-Nakib. Do you have any closing statements about human rights, the blockchain, the internet, transactions, or any of the plethora of other things that we talked about today? <laughs> I would say, uh, as, as, as we were talking about earlier, right, everything really comes down to choice and, and having as many choices as possible to determine for ourselves. That's 
what enables an individual to take part in the self-determination of, of a community or a group of people to determine their political, cultural, and, and social and, and economic future. And that is freedom. So whatever we look at when we're trying to assess any of these things in terms of should somebody be able to, should they have access to, should they have the right to a particular thing in and of itself, it's important to look at it from that standpoint. But it's also important not to you know, uh, disenfranchise people just because don't know them, we haven't been around them, uh, or they seem very, very far away. So whatever analysis that comes to, it should apply globally to everybody. And, and that is something I, I really, really stress. The, the other point is that the technology remains at infancy. And I think the greatest value is going to be seen through the convergence of different technologies. And the next five to 15 years, I think, is, is going to demonstrate so much in, in the, the broader distributed ledger technology space. So whenever you look at, look at how they can be improved, um, because I think it truly is, you know, it's, it's the people listening to this that are going to improve it. And always use common sense, you know, uh, think about it for yourself. It'll usually more often than not come to a conclusion that you truly believe and, and that is right. I think my final point is that an individual can go to work. His boss has a stack of cash. His work gets a little bit of piece of that stack of cash. And we're talking about cash, paper, fiat, money. And that, <laughs> that, and that individual then goes and uses that money to buy whatever he wants to buy for his daily life. Just because we're getting digital with just about everything that we're doing, we have to protect that freedom. The freedom that a worker, no matter where, can go to work get paid in a currency, whatever the currency that is, and it's probably going to be digital in the future, and go and use it in any way. We don't know where that worker is from. We don't know what he does. We don't know his address. And when you're cash, that's fine. He could be a dishwasher, you know, <laughs> from wherever he is working in a kitchen in Miami. Who knows? But, he's, but he still has that freedom with, with cash. And just because we're digital, I don't think that it's a good road to go down to start being able to cut people off of that freedom. And that's, tra and that's that transaction or that way to transact. I guess that's my main point. I'm, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Please. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we, we, made our, we made our last comments. That's not. All right. No, but I, to, to an extent, you know, you and I, uh, uh, we usually agree on the majority of things. Uh, we just disagree about when, when they should happen. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna to have to have this conversation again and from a different uh point of view and your next time you're sending the outline to me so you can am i yes okay. you're, you're, I'll, I'll question you i'd love no to. no no, should, no 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 you're not should. gonna question me you send the outline of what, the directions we're gonna go with the conversation to so make sure that you know we're hitting all your points because we're just hitting my points and okay. i don't think that's fair i'm we'll at a disadvantage I'm, I'm at a disadvantage because you're the professional and, and you're at a disadvantage because I'm, <laughs> I'm directing the conversation always so <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's my pleasure i i genuinely and and i mean this i absolutely love uh, our, our conversations and and being on podcast they're the most fun in terms of podcasts and i mean that and i mean no uh, no meanness to any other podcasts i've been on but uh they're my favorite um but yeah hey if, if you ever want to do it with uh with other people as well that could be fun um i think um good argumentation is is always uh the most valuable and you and I rarely argue with each other, so perhaps it's not the most valuable to the audience. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we need to find a topic we argue about. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101 once again. And, sir, I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a good day. My absolute pleasure. Take care. All right, Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. This was a huge topic to cover. I don't know if we did a good job, but we sure did talk a lot. Please go over to our YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron, to hear my opinion about the whole topic, the whole conversation, and, well, talking to Haslam, human rights, transacting, banking, and the future of Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, cryptocurrencies, and digital assets. But before we go, like always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices, CryptoNews.com for your news, and WPOnTheFly.co if you need a website. We will see you in the next episode of Crypto 101 with David Waxman of Waxman PR Group. And they handle the PR for a lot of crypto digital asset companies that you might know. Coindesk, IOHK, Polymath, T0, Bitfinex, Lisk, eToro, and the list goes on. I'm looking forward to this conversation with David Waxman. We'll see you in the next episode of Crypto 101. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.